Luke chapter number 2, once again this evening, Luke chapter number 2. And while you're turning there, let me just remind you uh, that God answers prayer. And I know we, we've, especially recently in the last several months, uh, we've had, all, I mean, we've always had a lot to pray about, but it seems like more urgent prayer requests and uh, from things that are taking up, happening politically on down to uh, what help, uh, touches us uh, directly. But just remember, God answers prayer. And uh, let's be quick to pray and slow to worry. I think that'd be a, a, good, a good way to live. And so I just want to remind you, uh, to, if you ever feel impressed to pray, stop what you're doing and pray. And I believe the Lord does that to us. Sometimes He puts an impression on us to, to pray. And so I, I certainly want to just remind you of that. Luke chapter number 2, we're going to read the same text tonight uh, that we have read uh, the last two services, last Sunday night, then last Sunday morning. And of course, being the Wednesday night <coughs> before Christmas, I want to look at Luke chapter number 2 again as we are reminded about the birth of our Savior and uh, what a Savior we have. Uh, there, is, there is no one like the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, his name truly is above every name. And uh, I, I enjoy putting the, uh, we always put the focus on Christ, but it seems like at this time uh, we've put it specifically on his birth and his coming and what it means. And certainly I, I think that's appropriate. Tonight I want to <coughs> look at things just a little bit differently from this passage of Scripture. Luke chapter number 2, beginning with verse 1. And it came to pass in those days, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. <clears throat> there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. How many times have you heard that verse of Scripture read? How many times have you read it yourself? No matter how many times we hear it read, and no matter how many times we read it ourselves, there's just something about Luke chapter number 2, verse 11. A Savior is born. And certainly, at this time of the year especially, we look at the birth of our Savior. And I, I'm assuming that in most cases, many cases, and just uh, either tomorrow, as some traditions are, and then uh, Friday, and then sometime getting with family, maybe already or, or later, uh, there's always an, there's an exchanging of gifts. And maybe the, the exchanging of gifts is, is the gift you're going to give to some of your families that you're going to stay away from each other during this time. I, I don't know, but whatever, uh, whatever gift is, it, you, whatever you do in that regard, Thinking about that, I want to teach on this subject tonight, and I'm going to be very practical. Uh, what we receive when we were given Jesus. What we received when we were given Jesus. And I wrote many, many things down, and certainly we could literally talk all night long 
about what we got when we got Jesus. But I only, I want to narrow it down. I don't want to keep you here long. So I narrowed it down to eight. And uh, so we're going to look at these tonight. And and I'll be very practical. And I won't keep you here uh, longer than necessary. Uh, But uh, I want to look at what we, I want to remind us. Uh, For example, what, what what I preached Sunday morning was nothing new. But it's good for us to be reminded. I preached Sunday night was nothing new. It was good for us to be reminded. I don't think I'll say anything nobody in here hasn't already heard. But it's good for us to be reminded. And daily we should be reminded of what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and who we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that we accomplish that tonight. Father, I pray once again (coughs) that you would speak to us tonight. I pray that we'd be reminded of the wonderful gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we be reminded of our salvation. May we be reminded of your love for us and the fact that you're willing to send your son to pay that sin debt. And Father, we have to thank you for your love. We have to thank you for your grace. We have to thank you for your mercy. Therefore, we have to thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that while tonight it will be practical, may it be uh, reminding, reminding us of Uh, what we have in the Lord. And if there happens to be one here or happens to be one uh, listening online that does not know the Lord, may today be their day of salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Certainly Luke chapter number 2, as we know, is is, uh, a passage of Scripture that we always look to uh, at this time of the year. We read it around the Christmas time. We uh, preach messages. Uh, I imagine I've preached at least a dozen or so messages through through the years from Luke chapter number 2. And so much for us to be reminded of. And uh, we have uh, little sayings that we like to say around Christmas time. Remember the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for the season. And certainly there's nothing wrong with that. And and he is uh, certainly who who we're focused on and who we put our attention on. And and while we enjoy all of the other things, uh, I want us to be mindful because we as the redeemed, we as children of God, as the saved, uh, if we're not focused on him, uh, certainly a lost world is not going to be focused on him. And uh, so I want us to be mindful and, 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 and think of him. Uh, no matter what you get for Christmas, the greatest gift you ever got was Jesus. No matter what you ever get for Christmas, the greatest gift you'll ever receive is Jesus. And I want us to just reflect tonight on what we received when we were given Jesus. Um, you ever get a gift that humbles you? Um, I and this is a good good segue for me to thank all of you for your kindness and your cards and your gifts. It's very humbling for me to read the cards and to open the gifts and to uh, and to see that you care enough. It's, it's a humbling experience for me. Have you ever got a gift? And maybe you have your own story like that. And it wasn't necessarily the gift, but it was the person who gave it to you. And you know the sacrifice or the cost that they put in that so you can have it. Those are the best gifts. We appreciate, I hope we appreciate everything we get. But let's be honest, sometimes we get something that's like, oh, that's wonderful. That's why, and usually it's from your mother-in-law, but oh, that's, that's, that's wonderful, and oh, that's, that's just why, oh, and you smile real big, and you, and you say, oh, that's great, and you appreciate the fact that you got something. But there's some gifts that you know 
the sacrifice or it's an acknowledgement from somebody that you never expected a gift from. Such is the gift that we got in the Lord Jesus. It's the greatest gift because of who Jesus is. But it's also the greatest gift because of who the gift came from. The God of the heavens. The God who named every star. The God who keeps our heart beating. The God whose air we breathe. The God who treats this world as his footstool. Loved us enough in our sin to give us the greatest gift that man has ever gotten. So what did we get when we got the gift of Jesus? I'll run through these. almost said very quickly, but you know me better than that. Number one, we got a deliverer. The world got a deliverer. I spent some time setting the scene of this chapter this past Sunday and those shepherds, and after they got over their fear and, and, and astonishment, they got excited. One reason was the fulfillment of a prophecy because they thought that Christ, they thought that the king of the Jews, the Lord Jesus, was come to deliver them from political. Not Maybe not those shepherds uh, in particular, but a lot of the Jews thought that he was coming to deliver them from political bondage. That is not why he came. He came to deliver man from the bondage of sin. And when Jesus came to this world, we had a deliverer. Um, you know, man needs a deliverer because man cannot deliver himself from the bondage of sin. Uh, and we needed the Lord Jesus Christ. You think about before you got saved, you were a slave. You were in bondage. Uh, you were dead in your sins. Remember when you got saved? Everybody think about it for just a moment. Remember when you got saved? You may not remember the exact moment, but you may remember the circumstances around your salvation, where you were. You may remember uh, the person who, who opened the Word of God. You may, whatever the circumstance, think about it for just a moment. And the moment you put your faith and trust in Christ, you got delivered. And what this world got, what I got, what you got, what mankind got, when Jesus was given to us, that's why He's the greatest gift, He was given to us. What we got was a deliverer, someone who could deliver us from bondage when we could not deliver ourselves. Number two, we got a victor, or we got victory. We know the song, Victory in the Church. That's not how it goes. Victory in one another. I, I know. Victory in the Pope. No, victory in Jesus. You know what victory means? It's such a common word to us that sometimes we lose the, the meaning of it. It means you're a victor. It means you win. We win in Jesus. More specifically, we conquer in Jesus. We overcome in Jesus. How do you, how do I have victory in Jesus? We have victory over sin in Jesus. We have victory over the circumstances that we face in us. You know how you got victory over sin, Jesus? You know how you get victory over your sin, Jesus? You know how you get victory over your circumstances, Jesus? We literally, we have victory, and every victory we have goes back to Jesus. So when God gave us his son, 
He gave us victory. That's why, I'll not spend much time on it, but I say it often, probably should say it more. There's no excuse for a, a, for a Christian to live in defeat. I didn't say we don't have defeats, but there's no excuse to live there because we have victory in Jesus. Uh, have you given up on your victor? Uh, we have victory in Jesus. So when Jesus was sent to this earth and he was, as a child, laid in that manger, wrapped in those swaddling clothes, was the victor of all victors. Was our victory. Was Mary's victory. Was Joseph's victory. Victory for mankind. Number three, a couple of these I'll, I'll spend a little bit more time on. But number three, we got a healer. Think about this. Through him, we are healed from the worst disease that this world has ever seen. So you're talking about cancer. That's a bad one, but that's not the worst one. It's sin. The only one who could heal man from the horrible disease of sin. We don't always look at sin the way God looks at sin. Sin's the destroyer. It's amazing. It's, 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 it's just a random thought, but I think it would certainly uh, help us in some effect tonight. You know, we, we say, you know, there's, there's the campaigns, and certainly we ascribe to it. Uh, you, should, uh, so you, so you shouldn't smoke because you get cancer from that. And there's some who would say, stay away, stay away, stay away. But yet we, we're, we're, we're not as vigilant when it comes to sin. When sin will destroy us, sin will ruin us. But I got good news. We got a healer. We're healed from the disease of sin. And sin is a disease. Young people stay away from sin. Old people stay away from sin. Uh, sin is a disease, and there's only one that could heal us. I'm reminded in two different places in the Gospels, uh, Jesus reminds those at the time, but reminds us even still that uh, those that are not sick don't need a physician. He was being always criticized for always going to the sinner, always going for, uh, to the neglected, always going to those that everybody else overlooked and he points out, hey, the great physician is here, the one that can heal all uh, from their sins. And they're the ones who need that healer. So we've got a healer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number four, I like this one as well. When we receive the gift of Jesus, as is recorded in Luke chapter number two, we have a light. And this is a light unlike any other light. He's the eternal light. Uh, he's the one who shows the way. He's the light that's more important than the sun, the moon, the stars. Because he's the light before all those things were created. And if you think to the book of Revelation, in that great city that all of the redeemed will reside for eternity, Jesus himself will be the light there's something comforting about the light. 
I know probably none of you grown-ups in here would admit that this. Some of these kids might would admit that sometimes they're afraid of the dark. Uh, you ever have a child come to you and say, Mom, Dad, what's wrong? I'm afraid of the light. It's too bright. Oh, no. It's the dark. Jesus is the light. There's something comforting about the light. There's nothing more comforting than the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there's something warming, reassuring about the light. And over and over again, we're reminded that Jesus is the light. He is the light in a dark world. He's the eternal light. Number five. Aren't you proud of me for how quickly I'm moving? Number five, he's the guide. Um, we think we know where we're going, but most of the time we don't. And I can prove that because I got behind a couple of y'all coming to church tonight. In life, we need a guide. Who is the guide? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is, and two points I'll make on, the, on, on number five with him being the God. That guy sets a pattern. He's the pattern. He's the one we follow or we should follow. How lost is this world? They don't have, the, they don't have a guide. And when we met Jesus, we had somebody who not only kept, uh, delivered us from bondage, he was a light in our life. He is the light, but he's a guide. He's a pattern. And he is not just the guide of the path. He's the path. He is the way. Oh, we need to be reminded of this. How, how, how many of us have ever been in a time, you say, Pastor, when I tell you what it is, some of you are going to say, this is every day, but I just don't know which way I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get through life. Well, we have a guide. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a pattern that we can pattern our lives after. We know, so what should I do? What would Jesus do? Hey, we have him in Scripture. You know, this might, this might be a good illustration. It might not be a good illustration. At the very least, it may not be a popular one with some. What good is a map if you don't ever look at it? Look at the map. I know. I just don't know if a real man's ever looked at a map, but that's just about, that's beside the point. We have a GPS now, so we don't need a map. There's no excuse for ever getting lost nowadays. I mean, men, if your wife's not with you, have you ever noticed that the voice of the GPS is always a woman? Telling you which way to go, where to turn. You say, what, 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 why would you get lost? How would you get lost? Why don't you consort the map? We have, we have a pattern in the Lord Jesus. He's our guide. Then number six, he's our sustainer. He's the bread of life. He's the nourishment. 
You know why some Christians shrivel up and die spiritually? They think they can sustain themselves. Or they think a substitute will be just as well as the bread of life. And this is a whole sermon in itself. If you let somebody just have a diet of nothing but junk, they're not going to be able to sustain themselves. Same is true when it comes to a Christian. Uh, he is the sustainer. What are, we, what are we reminded of when we say Jesus is the sustainer? He's our strength. I, I, you, you ever feel weak and you just start reading the Bible and you start feeling strong? And your circumstances didn't change from the time you started to the time you stopped reading, but you felt strong. Well, let me remind you that He is the Word. And, and He's our sustainer. That's why. How many of you could go for a long period? If, if in the life of many Christians, if they, if they miss meals in, in, in days of succession, like they, they miss reading their own Bible, they would starve to death and we would have already had the funeral. But yet we think we can survive spiritually. We think we can sustain ourselves spiritually. Oh, we have to have the bread of life. He is the sustainer. He is our strength. If you feel weak spiritually, go to Him. Go to Him. Before you go to anybody else, go to the Lord. Go to your Bible. This is what we do. Well, I'm just discouraged. i got to call so-and-so to get encouraged. No, what you're doing is you're calling so-and-so so, so y'all can gossip about why you're discouraged. Or you're calling so-and-so because you, you saw that she or he is happy and you want to see what you can do about that. Or you've got to, oh, I'm going to do it. I know it's Christmas. I'm just going to be the Grinch. Or you go to social media. Y'all pray for me. Pray for me. The devil's really after me. I don't even want to say what I want to say. This is so you can, you can well, it's okay. You can make it. You know, people have to be saved before they can pray for you. You understand that, right? Now we'll bring back the Christmas spirit and be reminded. My whole point is this. It's not bad to have peace. I'm thankful for the people who encourage me. I can't tell you how many times God sends the encouragement right along at the right time. But I have a responsibility to keep myself strengthened and there's only one way I can do it, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came, we got a sustainer. We've got somebody that we can depend on in our weakness that never gets weak. We've got someone that we can lean on in our weakness that's always strong enough to sustain this. He's our strength. He's our encouragement. We're sustained by his encouragement. How does he encourage us? I can't read the word of God and be discouraged. 
It encourages me. You say, well, Pastor, you don't know what They say, hey, are you saved? Sometimes just knowing that is encouragement. He, can he, was he enough to save you? I'm encouraged by that. You know, he came to this world to pay for my sins. How can that not encourage you? He is our sustainer. Hey, don't depend on somebody else to sustain you in your Christian life when we have the sustainer available to us to give us the strength we need. And sometimes we don't like the solution whenever we do get weak in the faith and we do get discouraged. Well, take the the problem away or take what's discouraging away. When, When God may not do that, and that's what we would prefer, but God may say, I... Instead of take, let me take, taking those things away, why don't you just depend on who I gave you to strengthen you and sustain you? And that is our Lord. Number seven, what do we get? What do we receive when we were given Jesus? And I remind you again, we were given Jesus. We got peace. In our text... These shepherds are not only reminded of the peace that they can have, but in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know, we have a misnomer about what peace really is and how to have peace in this world. And politicians have run on this. Christians have mistakenly espoused this. We ought, if we're gonna have, we ought to be able to have peace on this earth. And why can't we all just get along? Well, if everybody would, it would, would accept Christ as Savior, we'd all get along. But He is peace. It's verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Jesus was sent to us, and, and the Bible tells us He is peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Let me tell you what peace he brings. He brings you peace with God. This this lost world doesn't understand it, but they're at war with God. Lost man is at war with God. I, I was reading earlier this year of the dynamic between, in World War II, between... President Roosevelt, Joseph Stalin, and Winston Churchill. How they interacted with one another in World War II. In, in the book I was reading, gives a pretty good biography of all three men and, and kind of and intertwines it together. Joseph Stalin, certainly a wicked man, a brutal man, a murderer. It was reported that on his deathbed, the final thing he did was shake his fist at God before he took his last breath. At war with God when he didn't have to be. This world is that there's many Christians right now who can't understand why things can't come together. It's because They've neglected the Prince of Peace in their life. 
May we be reminded tonight that before we had Christ, we were on our way to hell. We were on our way to hell because God sent us. God was going to, because of our sins, we were having to go pay for our sins in hell. There's a conflict between lost man and God because every sin that's committed is sinned against God. So how do we have peace with God through Christ? That's the only way. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you prayed to God today? You know what a privilege it is to pray to the Almighty? And you know, you can have, you can be in the midst of a storm, but you can have peace with your God. That's why I don't want you to be discouraged about what's going on in our world. We can still have, we, we can have peace. How do we have peace, Jesus? We have peace with God. Not only does, does, does he bring us peace with God, he brings us peace with ourself or peace with our conscience. The most miserable person on this planet is a saved individual who is not living for the Lord. You know, something I've learned a long time ago, and it's, it's, it's kind of psychology of man. Listen to what people tell you. Sometimes you see, well, everything's going good, everything's going right, and, and I want to think, say to myself, are you trying to convince yourself or are you trying to convince me? You're, trying to conv- you're not trying to convince everybody else, you're trying to convince yourself. And you know who brings peace with yourself or peace with your conscience? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we say this when you get saved, you invite Jesus into your heart. He's with you. I wonder, think with me for a moment, think back to all of those Wednesday nights we talked about the Apostle Paul, his companions, and we refer to his conversion. You remember what Paul did before he met Christ? He murdered Christians. With the authority of government, he sought them out imprisoned them, closed churches, and murdered them. You ever ask yourself, how did he sleep at night? Knowing that now he's planting churches, how could he ever get removed from closing them? He would be martyred for his faith having martyred others for the faith, the same faith he would lose his life for. But yet you find a man, if you read the epistles that the apostle Paul wrote, you find a man at peace. How did he have that peace with the life that he had lived? It is because Christ brought him out of that life. He was made a new creature. This is a good time for me to remind all of us and remind some of you specifically, you need to remember that Christ, what Christ saved you from. You can have peace, but it's through him. I'm hoping to just turn over a new leaf. Well, get saved, that'd be better. Restore the joy of your salvation. That'd be better. 
That's how you can have peace with yourself. Not only peace with God, peace with yourself, peace with your conscience, but peace with others. You know, there's just like just like I've mentioned, there's really no there is no excuse for a defeated Christian or a Christian to live in defeat. There's no there's no excuse for Christians to live at odds with one another. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You say, well, Pastor, we all have enemies, and, and you have enemies, and, and we have enemies, and, and God's people have always had, had enemies. They may not be at peace with me, but I can be at peace with them. They, they may be consumed with what goes on in my life, in your life. That doesn't mean I have to be consumed with theirs. They may not understand why when you bump into them, oh, hey, how you doing? And, and the daggers that come from, well, you can live at peace even with those that don't live at peace with you. How do you do that? Well, even though I was saved as a child, I was changed when I was saved. And I can have victory through Christ. And how do we live at peace with, with, with man? Well, we have got to have Christ. That's what we got. Then I'll remind you of the first seven so I can give you number eight. When we got the gift of Jesus Christ, when, the, when God sent him to man. Very quickly, and some of you are taking notes, some of you already forgotten what number one is, but that's what some of you think number four is just my choosing. I don't ever go past four because some of you, you couldn't remember past that. And so, uh, but number one, we got a deliverer. We got the victor. We got victory. We got a healer. When we got the gift of Jesus, we got the light. We got a guide. We got the sustainer. We got our strength. We got peace. And number eight, we got a savior. And what we got in number eight provides the previous seven. And there's a lot of people in this world, they know of Jesus, they believe he's the Son of God, but they've never put their faith in their faith alone in Jesus, and they wonder why they don't have peace. It's because you can't have peace until he's your personal savior. I just I just don't have the strength. I just don't have. You can't have the strength of just knowing who he is and knowing he came and once a year at Christmas time saying, oh, the Christ child came. You must know him personally as your Savior. Then you can tap into that strength that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got a Savior for, the, for this world. Verse number 11, again, in front of you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That messenger from heaven was very specific in his words. You've got a Savior. Greater than someone who leads a political movement is a Savior. Greater than someone who, quote-unquote, will start and, and create a religion is a Savior. 
The greatest thing this world has ever needed is a Savior. Quite frankly, the only thing this world has needed can be found in a Savior, and that Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. God was very specific in sending that messenger, very specific in announcing to the world a Savior is come. And telling us who it is, is Christ the Lord. That's why he said, they said, follow the sign, find the babe in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's him. He's the Savior. We don't have time tonight. If we flip through the Gospels, we find that the Savior, the same one who came as a babe, he paid for the sins of the world. And we receive the greatest gift that man could ever receive when God gave His Son. I trust tonight that you've received Him. I don't know if you've ever used this illustration in witnessing to someone else or soul winning. I've used it many times, whether it's Christmas season or not, but it's especially effective around the Christmas season. We talk about salvation and what Jesus did and what man has to do to receive that, that salvation. It's as if there was a gift under the tree with your name on it. It was there. It was wrapped. There's a bow on it. Your name is on it. It has been paid for. It has been provided. But it's not yours until you go and you grab hold of that gift. So many in this world, they have a gift that's been paid for, that's been wrapped up and presented. All they have to do is receive it. Now, what kind of Christmas would it be to see those gifts under there and say, oh, that's nice, I got gifts this year. And then to just leave them there. How sad for Christ to have come for the pay the sins of the world and men, man to reject him. I mean, would you, how offended would you be if you got a gift for somebody and they refused to take it from you? Uh, you have a hard time returning that vacuum for your wife if she refuses to take it. That's a whole other story. We have a Savior. It's the greatest gift that we could ever have been given. Think about it, not just tonight. Think about it over the next few days, certainly. But as we go into the new year, think about the gift. Sometimes, you know, the best gifts, thinking from a practical standpoint, are not the ones that are here and gone. I have gifts that others have given me. I have gifts that my family has given me, and I've had them for years. And every time I see it, every time I use it, I'm reminded of who gave it to me. And may every day that we live, may we be reminded of who's given us, first of all, that day. But I have my salvation because of the gift that God gave me.
it's a sad thing when we as a Christian get so full of ourselves and we lose focus of what God did for us that we think we're self-sufficient in our salvation. We forget who we got the gift from. We forget what the gift was. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a Savior. A Savior for this world. And let's be reminded and think backwards in our outline tonight by the fact that we receive a Savior. Everything we get. And I'll close with this. As I, When I received the Savior, you know what I didn't have to worry about anymore? Hell. That's not just a pretty good gift. That's a great gift. I can't think of anything better. And because I don't have to worry about hell, what I can look forward to is heaven. I have forgiveness of my sins. They're not hanging over my head. Oh, and by the way, wouldn't it be great if we didn't hang man's sins over their head like God doesn't? I mean, I don't have to give an account of it because Jesus paid for it when I got a Savior. But if it's, that's not all we got, if that's all we got, that'd be enough, wouldn't it? But in that, we got a deliverer. We got a victor. We can have victory in every area of our life through the Lord Jesus. And I can go on. We have a light to shine the way. We have a guide to lead us. We can be sustained because we have a Savior. Let's be reminded not just of the Christ child who came at this time of year, but who sent him and why he sent him and who he sent him for and the reason he sent him. The great. If you're disappointed on Christmas Day, again, at least be encouraged that God sent you the greatest gift you could ever have. The greatest gift yet you could ever have. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus.